0: what's up everybody and welcome back to the abundant journey podcast we're super glad you can join us as always i'm your host nick james along with my co-host and partner in crime nick offenkamp nick how are you fantastic man how are you doing i'm doing great summer's in full swing in fact we're on the tail end of it and we're on the the downhill but it don't say that don't know. say I that it's, i am an absolute absolutely- denial <laughs> <It's> <laughs> don't rain on fast, my parade man.
1: please oh jeez.
0: absolutely well thanks for jumping on today tell us a little about about what we got in store
1: I am thrilled because we get to sit down with the great Tony Clark. Now, Tony is an awesome guy who uh, you connected with through Better Life Tribe, right? Yep. Awesome. and uh, And so then you were like, hey, Nick you got to connect with Tony. He's done amazing things in real estate. He's uh, been a broker. He's done real estate investing and um, has just recently moved into real estate consulting as well as continuing to do real estate investing. And it's got some really cool things that he's working on now in the great state of California, which is not often the number one place that think people uh, think about when uh, (laughs) you're thinking real estate investing and opportunity. Um, But that's part of what I love about Tony and why I'm so excited to have him on is because I think that he does um, invest and move to the the beat of a different drum than perhaps the majority of investors. And therefore, we've got a lot to learn from him. So Nick, I don't know if you want to add any more to that intro or uh, if it's time to to bring in the great Tony
0: Clark. No, that's great. I, I think that's wonderful. There's nothing more I can add to it. Tony, thanks for being on with us. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Nick
2: and Nick, this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and and Nick alluded to it, you know, you and I've had a chance to get to know each other over the last few months, joining a mastermind together and just reaching out, hearing each other's story. So we instantly knew you were somebody we wanted to have on the show. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today before we get into your backstory and some of the history that got you there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So today, um, there's kind of two different things that I'm doing. And, and you guys touched on it there where one is the real estate investing and one is kind of uh, the real estate consulting space where on the investing side, uh, I am investing in California, there are still properties here that are, you know, make sense as an investment. And it's a really Unique kind of niche that I stumbled into where uh, we, when we get into a bit of the backstory, you know, I didn't always invest in California, but that's where I am now. And really just trying to understand the city's zoning codes and some different things that they have. Uh, in place with housing density. So we're building ADUs and you know mm-hmm. splitting a single family house into a triplex, stuff like that, where the, uh, the numbers can still work out on the investing side. And then uh, kind of for my day job, I run a real estate consulting firm where I started as a real estate agent, had a decent career uh, in that space. And now I help real estate agents with their Technology and their systems, and really essentially running their business like a business instead of just running around like highly paid salespeople uh, and trying to really help build businesses that last and that are worth owning for real estate agents.
0: No, that's awesome. And, you know, just to hear the expertise and, uh, you know, to know that this has been a, a bit of a journey for you as you've gone from the investing side. And, you know, we'll, we'll jump into your backstory, but was this kind of the end game when you started out? I mean, were you always wanting to do consulting or is this something you kind of fell into? Yeah, I kind of
2: fell into it where I initially when I got into real estate uh, as an agent, I just said, hey, I enjoy investing. I want to help people invest and then wound up building up a team and really enjoyed the team aspect where I had a couple of agents who I brought on as brand new agents and was able to kind of show them the ropes and, and help them get into helping investors as well. And really, the switch to consulting happened for a, a couple of different reasons, where one, uh, if we were to go way back in my story, I spent a few years working in ministry and really loved the impact that I felt like I was able to make there. Yep. And I, between that and then building the real estate team realized that there's such an opportunity for uh, really to mentor and teach and just help real estate agents who are struggling to provide for their families or just it's it's a brutal career to start out in where nine out of ten agents don't make it to their first the end of their first year and so i just felt like you know i i enjoy selling houses i enjoy talking with people but i felt like there was a bigger opportunity to one uh, help a lot more people and help real estate agents, and then two, build up a business that has some equity to it. That you know, someday I can either hire a manager and take a step back, or that may have some sellable. Uh, it might be sellable instead of just if I stop working. I better have some real estate to pay the bills. <laughs>
0: sure. So
1: that that was kind of the journey there.
0: That's cool. awesome.
1: You've alluded to it a little bit. I'd love to uh, to jump into the, the backstory now get a peek into the lab where Tony Clark was created. And um, you've alluded to a couple of things with a ministry background, with a, a desire to help people invest. And so maybe give us a, a picture of what did your upbringing look like? Where do you think that some of the, the values in terms of investing, um, both financially as well as investing in people and, and having mission, where did a lot of that first come from? Yeah, absolutely. So the, if we were to go way back, I was that kid who
2: was dealing out baseball cards to his friends in second grade and just started, uh, buying and selling golf clubs in middle school. My parents were worried about me. We had like a a UPS package show up every other day and I, I don't know what they thought, but they just kind (laughs) of rolled with it. They're like, Hey, you, you do you. And, um, wound up, I was always just kind of in that entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, and so growing up, that was kind of my background. My dad's a small business owner. He runs a local moving company out in Colorado where I grew up and my mom's a third grade teacher. And so I think that, uh, for me really looking at how my dad did things and how he had a a company and some of those values that he really instilled, uh, in me drove me toward being an entrepreneur where I loved how he was able to, he always talked about how he could provide for his employees and he, he's not a, profit at all costs kind of business owner he said hey you know I, I want my employees to be here for the long term and i want to provide for their families and you know help their kids get to college and i always just thought that was such a a unique um even as a 10 11 year old kid such a, a unique viewpoint on it that i wanted to go down that path and and have the ability to provide so that was you know upbringing and then as far as the values go i i became a christian in high school and then got this idea in my head that I I had to give everything up and work in ministry, or I wasn't uh, wasn't going to be able to make an impact in the world. And you know, I, it wasn't something I believed for anyone else, but just internally, I that was kind of how I thought of myself. And so, spent a few years working in ministry, working through that. And then uh, really just had the entrepreneurial itch show up uh, by the time I would pretty much graduated college and, and spent a couple of years after. I was like, man, I, I got to get back into business because that that's what just lights me on fire and what I really enjoy. And so
1: from there, then launched into uh, uh, finance and then real estate. Cool. There's a couple of things I want to uh, pick up on in there. Uh, One, just the kind of the arbitrage of whether golf clubs and reselling those or or the baseball cards. Um, For you early on, was that uh, like financially motivated where you're like, man, there's this new bike that I want to buy and I got to figure out how to get the money? Or was it just that you enjoyed the game of being able to find something cheap? What was it that, uh, that you found most exciting even early on about entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's definitely the game. My okay. my wife laughs at me now because she's like, you, "You,
2: I'm wearing a shirt that's probably seven years old, and <laughs> I've owned this flannel since college, and this this hat was originally black." Like she she makes oh fun God. of me. She's like, "You can buy new things, um, yeah. but I just I the money side of things is nice as far as providing for a family and you know basic needs and whatnot. But for me, it's really just." I enjoy the game and always have where it's saying if I can find something that other people don't want to do or can't do and figure Mm -hmm. out a way to do it, then I can, you know, build some sort of business. And it's the the financial motivation, I guess, is just that it's a really easy uh, measuring stick where for me, I'm I'm uber competitive uh, with, you know, I. My family won't play Monopoly with me by, yeah. you know, we, my wife and I have rules when we play games together. Cause I just, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a part of who I am. And so I really enjoy the, the game of it. And then, you know, being able to look at P and Ls or numbers at the end of the day is just kind of saying, Hey, am I, uh, am I telling myself a narrative and thinking that I'm doing well at this or am I actually doing well? And obviously it doesn't tell the whole story, but it's a really, a clearer picture than you get in most other things that you do
1: yeah for sure totally
0: well and i you know i'm curious too as obviously dad was an entrepreneur do you have any siblings
2: i do one younger brother
0: okay okay so so growing up you know it sounds like there was the itch to be in the game now you're training to get to where you are now college maybe first job i mean what were some of those maybe looking back on your journey what were some of those early pieces that helped get you to where you are now
2: yeah, I think the the early pieces were really uh, the the earliest one and kind of my first ever business was in high school. I started a lacrosse equipment company. I played lacrosse growing up and figured out. Uh, I think Alibaba was pretty new at the time, and I figured out that if I emailed factories in China. Uh, they didn't know that I was 14 years old (laughs) and I wasn't on a FaceTime with them. And so I would just start, I'd saved up all the money that I'd, you know, just made over the kind of middle school years from doing different things. And I said, Hey, I want to buy, you know, 200 lacrosse sticks. And then I'd buy them and then I'd sell them to friends or on eBay or at lacrosse tournaments and kind of built that up through high school. And there was a, a moment at the end of that, that I remember, looking at it and I would go to uh, a few different tournaments throughout the summer. And I know I talked about one of them uh, at the Better Life, uh, I spoke with the Better Life tribe about a week ago. And uh, that tournament was one where I kind of had a turning point where I made a few thousand dollars and was getting ready to kind of go to a few more for the summer. And at the end of the year, I I looked at it and I was like, man, do I want to go to college or do I want to just do this? And it was that in between where I couldn't provide a for an adult life, but for a high school kid, I was making great money. And so I I wound up shutting the doors and going to college because I just said, hey, I, I think I can learn a lot more here. Like, I, this is great experience. I think I can learn a lot more about the quote unquote real business world if I go to school and then I'm able to uh, get back into get back into the business world after that. So that was probably my earliest school of hard knocks moment. And then throughout college and beyond, uh, I think the biggest kind of turning point was where I I took an internship at a uh, private equity firm. This was as I was transitioning out of ministry, I just said, Hey, I need to get into the real estate space and took an internship at a, it was a residential real estate private equity fund. And Uh, they paid me, I think it was like 12 bucks an hour or 14 bucks an hour. And at this point, I'm engaged to get married soon. But I was just like, I, you know, sorry, babe, I got to do this. I, this will pay off, I promise. And uh, wound up signing on there and just learning the ropes and really kind of learning how the business world works. So I think those were the two that really stick out
1: to me as far as developing that kind of business sense or just learning as you go. Yeah. So I mean, that's amazing at 14 to have the, uh, yeah. the vision of reaching out and capitalizing on a, an opportunity like a, a young Alibaba. And, and, um, but I'm curious now, a lot of what you're talking about early on in entrepreneurship was kind of product based where you're mm-hmm. selling products and, and in a way, uh, real estate brokerage, you're selling a, a very large product. Um, but what got you into real estate in particular when you could have gone a million different directions as far as starting? A business, yeah. I think in particular, real estate, it was the uh, the purple Bible. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, <laughs> um, I've not heard it that, called that, but absolutely, yeah. that is
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I heard that on some podcast a few weeks ago. Oh, like, oh it's that's, perfect. Good. That's, that's yeah, yep. um, so I read that book and really just liked the idea of owning something initially for real estate was owning something that other people want to use essentially mm-hmm. with buying rentals or whatnot if I could own something that other people want to use and I get paid for it then I don't have to trade my time for money and that it, it, that was kind of where I started but from there in real estate I realized man you, you know you can do well by buying some properties and you can be the millionaire next door by owning a few rentals and whatnot that's that's a good kind of um good r- retirement strategy or way to get financial freedom but there's so much more opportunity there and i think i that's what got me into real estate and then i got sucked into the game of it where i was like man here's now a business avenue that i can see if i'm any good at and then if i am i can help other people uh as well so it was kind of by default kind of just i I liked the idea of it and partly robert kiyosaki just said own real estate and i said okay
0: (laughs) no that's good and i i think we've all all read that and and been in the same boat i i'm curious too did you have anybody i mean when this idea was coming obviously dad was an entrepreneur you know folks in your sphere and in your circle i mean were were those people like this is awesome. You'd be you'd be great at it. Did you have any mentors, or, or was everybody looking at you saying, "What are you? What are you thinking?"
2: Um, yes, well, and yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, definitely. My parents. So my dad's a small business owner. Very. Uh, anti-debt as far as he tries to pay everything down really quickly. They would have a very small mortgage left on their house. And so when I got into it, I think they were a little concerned about just saying, you know, what, what do you mean you want to buy multiple houses? Like you're you're not making that much money. What are, what are you talking about? And uh, so that side of things was more, uh, they were more cautious and kind of warning me against, I mean, they lived through 08. I remember 08, but I wasn't in the business world. And so there's definitely those kind of of things that I have yet to see. And so they just kind of were the, uh, uh, I don't know if it's the angel and devil on your shoulder, but they were the conservative ones. And then I did have some mentors, uh, one in particular, he actually uh, just died about a month ago. He was one of my dad's good friends. And uh, I remember growing up, he was a real estate guy and owned real estate and businesses, just an investor. And I remember there was this ranch that we'd go to growing up. It was kind of a uh, like they'd have events there and a wedding venue and whatnot. And we'd show up and my dad was always like, oh yeah, Glenn, Glenn owns this ranch. And I always thought that was so wild. And then we'd go to a restaurant. He's like, oh yeah, this is Glenn's restaurant. I was like, do you, what do you mean? Does Glenn own this whole town? And uh, <laughs> he was the nicest guy ever. Really just solid Christian guy. Really looked up to him in a lot of ways. And when i started getting the itch for real estate he was kind enough to just hop on the phone with me a few times and talk through everything he was putting big syndications together and whatnot and just said hey here's here's the ropes or call me if you have any questions text me anytime and i think it was really really good to have both uh both my parents and people who could caution me against over leveraging and people like him saying hey I've been in the game for 30, 40 years. Here's how I made it through. And here's mistakes I made. Here's what not to do. Here's what to do. Um, And I think that combo was really important to
1: have. Yeah. No doubt. That's uh, amazing. Uh, pretty much anybody successful that I've met or talked with um, has had a similar sort of story of, of some mentor, whether it's a family member, just somebody that they got connected with that pulled them through. And so that's always one of my biggest pieces of advice to anybody mm. who's aspiring to, to start or run a business or invest. It's just, all right, find somebody who's going to speak that 30, 40 years mm. of wisdom to hopefully spare you some massive mistakes. And, and and then just uh, anecdotal uh, comment, but uh, the number of times that I've heard of that tension, that the devil and the angel between taking on debt, I-, I almost start to think of it now as it, instead of angel and devil, it's the, the Robert Kiyosaki and the Dave Ramsey on each shoulder. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's having those two guys in conversation yeah. uh, uh, in both ears. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a tricky piece to... To navigate.
0: my, My favorite is when Grant Cardone talks about Dave Ramsey and says, Dave Ramsey's trying to get you out of debt. I'm trying to get you in debt.
1: Yeah. 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 Real, real blunt like that, which is great. But, um, okay. So you did the, you made the jump from ministry into a, a PE firm, um, uh, that had a more of a real estate focus. Um, and then what did it look like when you stepped out from that and actually got licensed and well, actually I should ask, did, was the first step becoming a, an agent or did you, uh, invest in uh, in some real estate prior to that? Yeah, so it
2: all kind of so there were three things that kind of happened right at once. So I started with the the PE fund, and what they did is they they were based in Southern California. I was living there at the time, and my wife and I uh, were just about to get married, and we kind of said, "Hey, we've you know saved up uh, enough money for a down payment somewhere, but not in California," and so we were getting ready to. Move. uh, we'd narrowed it down to a few different cities and said you know we're going to move to one of them and start investing in real estate spend four or five years out there get a few rentals house hack a few places and then come back to california uh, because we love the weather and we're beach people so that's uh that was kind of the plan and once we settled on a place to move and it was uh, nashville tennessee then I went to the PE shop and they were buying in a few different markets. They're based in SoCal. They were buying in Cleveland and San Antonio and they were looking at Memphis. And so they said, Hey, if you know, we're looking at Memphis, if you want to be our guy out there, you know, we can give you a, a, a job and you know, there's an opportunity out there. And so those two things happened. We wound up moving out to Tennessee. I got my license right before we moved. So we were getting ready to make this big change. And then uh, once we got there, a couple months later, the PE shop decided that Memphis wasn't what they were looking at, and so we got out there. I had started analyzing a bunch of deals, started you know sending stuff over, and then they kind of said, "Hey, we're we're out. We're not buying in Memphis." And I was like, "Well, crap. Okay." <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> I, uh, I mean, we were gonna move out here anyways, so it's not like we moved out for the job. But all of a sudden, I remember we had just gone under contract on a house hack and we were getting ready to buy that it was like three days before closing when they sent me that note saying hey we're you know uh we're essentially letting you go and wow. uh that was a a scary moment we were about to take on uh you know more debt than i had uh, had ever seen before on a mortgage and we were going to house hack it and at that point i kind of looked at it i was like well I have a real estate license and I've built connections in this community between Nashville and Memphis. And I understand the investing side of things. So I guess I just got to go for it (laughs) and made the jump to full-time agent from there. We closed on that property. We found a bank that was, they had a portfolio product. And so they were able to keep it in house. They said, Hey, it's little higher interest rate, but as long as you feel good about it, we feel good about it. And so it all kind of happened at once where losing a job, buying a house,
1: starting as an agent, uh, my wife's the same. She puts up with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's like if a younger, uh, agent or, or somebody were to come and ask for advice, it's probably not like the advice that you'd give them. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. get let go by your first place yeah. and, and make the big career shift. Oh, uh, that's generally not the ideal. But um, that's amazing that uh, you were, you know, both you and your wife saying, all right, this is the hand that we've been dealt. And we're gonna trust and move forward. And so, I mean, what did that? What did that look like? Where uh, Where was your income coming from? How did you fill the gap between um, getting let go and uh, taking on the new house, new career? Yeah. So we, uh, my wife's a nurse, so she has like the stable income
2: for us. And that that was, that was huge. She's, uh, she's just over a year younger than me. And so she was just kind of starting out her career at that point. It was her first job she'd just started. Um, and so she had kind of enough to pay our bills, just about enough to pay our bills coming in. And we'd made the decision uh, to just live off of her income. We said, Hey, anything that I make, like we know it's going to be variable. Anything I make, let's invest it. This is why we're out here. We can live frugally for a few years. And then, you know, same kind of thing, financial freedom. And so she had the income coming in that was supporting both of us. And then the first property that we bought, uh, it was, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but our mortgage was right around 2,400 a month on it. And it was a duplex that had a, a three-bedroom unit and a two-bedroom unit, and the three-bedroom rented for $2,400 a month. Wow. Uh, and the two-bedroom uh, rented for like seventeen dollars or $1,800. And so we wound up, it was funny, we actually, we had about eight months left on our lease and we were gonna break our lease and move into the house. And uh, after we closed, the apartment complex said, nope, can't break the lease, you're stuck, or it's gonna be 15 grand or something. And so I called the lender freaking out. And I said, Hey, I'm, uh, we just bought this house. I know we were under this uh, assumption that we were going to move in. Is there anything we can do? Like, am, am I in trouble? Are you guys going to take the house? I'm new to this. And yeah. she said, no, you know, it's, it's okay. You intended to move in. It's, it's all good. And so we wound up uh, just renting both units out and that wound up bringing in an additional eight, $900 a month in rental income. So that kind of helped us Get through those first few months where I was starting out as a realtor, and uh, and she was supporting the two of us.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. That's uh, that's amazing. One, just really smart uh, foresight on your part to be able to to live frugally, to be able to say, okay, my wife does have the stable income, which kind of creates that safety net for being able to to take some risk. And that's a question that we often get as we're talking with people is just all right, how do you approach risk and what kind of safety nets and things uh, do you put into place? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you've kind of implied a couple of those things, but were there any other uh, things that you intentionally did or would advise others do when they're thinking about making a big risk, whether that's a cross-country move or a career shift? Yeah, I think
2: what I always talk about is I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that, or this doesn't work in my area. And I was just going to say, start with, you know, be really honest about where you're at, where for us, we could have complained and said, we can't buy anything in Southern California and it's too expensive and we're just going to rent forever. Or, you know, whatever. There's a million excuses. Or we could say, well, we can't live here now, but here's what we could do for the next five, 10 years. And then eventually come back. I think just expanding that time horizon and saying, what do you want five, 10 years from now, instead of what do you want next month mm-hmm. can provide a lot of Clarity uh, in those moments, and then I think on top of that, as far as the the risk goes, it's just saying you know what what are your non-negotiables and what are your like to haves I mean, I have friends who they w- would say, well, no, I can never share a wall with somebody. I'm not going to go buy a duplex and rent out half. It's like, well, okay. If that's a non-negotiable for you, then it's going to limit some of your options. But there's still stuff you can do if you want to invest in real estate or whatnot. But you got to figure out what those non-negotiables are and really hone in on those, and then work the rest of your, I guess, you know, real estate plan or financial plan, whatever, uh, around that.
0: That's good. I, I, uh, no, that's that's good. And I, I'm curious too, Tony. And looking back, not not in terms of regret, because obviously the, the the journey is. Put you where you are, and you've learned a ton. Curious if you feel like maybe you would have done anything differently. It's easy to be able to look back and see how it's all pieced together, but just wondering maybe some of the lessons you've learned learned along the way, and said, "Eh, you know, this maybe would have been a little bit different, or anything like that."
2: Yeah, um, I'll actually tell a, a story about that. This was that same first house that we bought, where we had saved up enough for that down payment. We had probably I don't know, 14, 12, 14 grand left to our name afterwards. And uh, we just kind of said, okay, you know, we're, we're good. We're, we're okay taking on this risk right now because our expenses are really low. Looking back at it, I'm like, that was the dumbest thing we could have done. <laughs> um, but <laughs> What happened was we, like a month later, uh, we wound up having a big leak in the main sewer line in that house and had to get it all dug up and replaced. And it was a $10,000 repair. And I remember sitting, standing in the backyard with our our tenant because our tenant called us and said, hey, there's, you know, I see, I think it's toilet paper in the backyard. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll come over. And I remember standing there with, him and the plumber came over and told us it was going to be 10 grand to fix it. And I was just like, what, what did we do? Um, and it was one of those moments. It was kind of a, a sink or swim moment where it was just like, well, okay, we've got to do this. Um, we can either trust in the process or we can freak out. And we were able to pay for that able to just kind of keep moving forward. And it all, you know, wound up okay. But that's something I always tell that story with, especially when I was uh, working full time as an agent. I tell that to first time homebuyers to say, one, get a sewer inspection. It's one hundred and twenty dollars. Just that was the one thing we didn't do because we're like, oh it's probably fine. Everything else is fine. It was a nice looking house. Um, learned that the hard way. But also to really. Um, when you're talking about risk and risk-adjusted returns, um, that's where I think a lot of people miss and where we missed. And thankfully it worked out well, but it also could have been you know, a lot worse. There could have been other things that had come up or maybe if it was a $20,000 repair, we would have been in debt and had to figure that out. And so uh, I always just say, hey, know what your risk is or at least think about uh, what could come up and talk to those mentors that we were talking about earlier saying, Hey, what am I missing? Just asking that question I think can be uh, really, really good on what, what am I missing here? Cause then you give them the freedom to really uh, tell you where you're being an idiot um, and <laughs> what you need to be thinking about.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so talk to us a bit about how uh, either one, just growing your your real estate business and developing a team because you 're doing that simultaneously while you 're building your real estate portfolio, and so you can go either direction, but uh, <laughs> you know as you 're growing both of those things um, what were you what were you doing what were some of the keys to growth yeah, I think so the
2: the team was funny where it started both of the agents that I hired on initially were past clients of mine where they were clients who were interested in investing and bought a property and then decided to get their license. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm, if you want to jump onto the team, I'm paying for some leads and I can start routing them to you. And it was really a more of a a mentorship than a team model. I don't necessarily love the team model in real estate where the team leader takes 30% of everything the other agents ever do, even if they source their own leads. I'm like, that, you know, works for some people, not, not for me. Um, and so we wound up uh, just kind of, it was referral based and I would just be there for calls or whatnot on deals that they wanted to involve me on. And so that wound up being a kind of a win-win where either we could partner up on stuff and then they could leverage my track record at that point and some other things, um, or you know they could grow their business as big as they wanted to. So. On the team side of things, that's kind of how I ran it. And I just found, and this has been what I try to do in, in everything from real estate to investing to now the consulting company is I want to provide as much value as possible without ever asking for anything. And then what's funny and winds up happening is people trust you and then the ones you work with have that built in trust and want to work with you. And that's kind of just been my Mentality. I don't know if it came from church or came from growing up seeing my dad or, you know, whatever, but um, just always trying to say, how can I add more value? Or, you know, for investing, it was the same kind of thing, building that portfolio. We did that a lot slower. Uh, I had some friends who would do the, you know, buy four or five properties a year and just leverage up, 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 up. And after our little sewer incident, (laughs) it's like, I don't want that to be me. And so we just do on the investing side, usually one project at a time, maybe two, depending on how everything was looking and just kind of tried to stay, uh, I'd say, relatively risk averse compared to what a lot of people were doing in Nashville. So um,
1: I know that was... Two different answers to kind of the same question. No, that's that's perfect. I mean, at the height of your time in Nashville, what what did it look like as far as what you owned for investment properties and uh and then your how big did your team get before yeah. making the move? Yeah,
2: so we were let's see, so investment properties, I think we were up to five doors. We had a duplex. Uh at one point we had a duplex, uh two Yeah, three single family homes um, and then we were doing, I was doing probably two or three wholesale deals a month um, with a buddy and then on the agent side was doing, you know, usually somewhere between three and seven deals a month um, as an agent and with the team. I kept the team small. We had, I think at the peak four, um, but really three that were full time. And that was just, again, kind of where I, I wanted it. I didn't want the team element to detract from the other stuff I was doing or the flipping to detract. I really liked focusing on the the agent side of things, finding deals, finding leads, um, and, and kind of growing that business because that would then funnel into everything else. It would let us yeah. buy more property. It would let us you know give
1: more leads to the agents I was working with and, and provide a yeah. better experience. Man, by all counts, you were crushing it. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's really, really remarkable. <laughs> especially, so,
0: especially being told you don't have a job and you you had to figure it out. So yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt. Uh, that's, uh, you know, certainly remarkable. There's, uh, a lot of hard work, grind and hustle to get to that point. A lot of also, I imagine just blessing of, of things falling into place as it sounds like they did even early on there. But I'm curious now, okay, so you've got this really successful both uh, real estate investing and successful uh, real estate business and uh, and then you say, "All right, time to <laughs> uproot out of Nashville yeah. back to California." <laughs> and I, I yeah. mean uh, I know that that was the long term mm. uh, vision goal in making the original move yeah. to Tennessee. You always wanted to go back to California. Um, was uh, was that tested once you started to achieve the kind of success that you did, and <laughs> and what does that feel like to uproot and go into a new sort of unknown? I mean, I know California was yeah. familiar, but um, surely you, being a bigger pockets guy, uh, not many people have nice things to say about uh, <laughs> about real yeah. estate in 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 uh, in Cali. Yeah, absolutely. It was I. I kind
2: of tell people, I say it was suicide for my business, but what we really looked at was, um, you know, you, you only get to, you know, you only get to live once, but you also only get to, spend time really in those kind of formational years of building out your network and your community and planting roots somewhere. Um, you really only, it's hard to do that. Not you only get to do that once, but it takes years. And for us, we, we got to the point where it was kind of like, is, are are we going to plant roots in Nashville, um, and really start to just kind of hone in here or do we want to be in California? And I remember it was actually a, a trip that my wife and I took down to Florida. We went to Destin to just go to the beach and we kind of headed back and nothing against Florida, but it just wasn't for us. And we said, you know, this is different from California. And, um, you know, we, we just really wanted to get back to her family lives out here. We're about an hour away from them and it's just the, the weather's tough to hard to beat. Um, Can't for, beat it. that's Can't yeah. beat it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think for business it was, I mean, we did look at, I pulled up our taxes and I said, Hey, here's, here's what we paid in taxes. Here's what we will pay. If we move back to California, it's a, a quite a bit of a haircut, but I think it's, it comes back to even when you were asking about the you know finances versus loving the game. For me, it was yeah. a really easy decision where I just kind of said, hey, I, I don't know what's gonna happen, but we have built up a portfolio to the point where we can now, we wound up selling that off and moving uh, our investments to California and doing some stuff here and we can get into that. But um, was really just motivated on, hey, if, if I was able to do this in Nashville, let's see if I'm any good and can do it in California or let's see if I can build a business uh, out here. And that was really the kind of it. We knew we wanted to be here. I knew I wanted to be in California and just kind of said, well, I'll figure it out. Or if not, we can move back to Nashville and, you know, there's worst case scenario. Yeah, it's not too bad.
0: Well and I, I think too, I think it's it's so great that you hit on the fact that there's there's more important things than money, there's yeah. more important things than success and you know, being that you wanted to be back with family, the, the the conversation with roots. I mean obviously, you know, you know Nick and I both have kids and it's you know, where do we want our kids to be and what do we want life to look like with and for them and so you know those matter and mm-hmm. I, I think when we get I say sucked into the real estate world. We all love being in the space and we all love, as you've said, playing the game. But you you also just have to realize that there's other things that are more important. And I think, you know, your journey has been about who you are and who you are becoming. And so it's no doubt in my mind that you – you know, if I would have known you then it was, well, you'd be successful in California, just like you were in Nashville, because it wasn't Nashville that was successful. It was you. And it was, you know, those formative things. So I, you know, I, I love that you highlight, there's just some more important things than just the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you touched on some of this
1: earlier, but um as, uh, as you started looking at California, I mean, the game is similar, but in different locations, you know, some of the rules uh, change a bit. Mm. And so as you're looking at um, opportunities and ways to leverage your skills and experience, what were some of the things about California that caught your eye or that you said, yeah, that, that's that's where or how I'm going to try and, and play this game different from what I was doing in Tennessee? Yeah, I... So... California. when we moved back, I started just trying to do the same things and network with
2: people who were doing really well. And it was actually my wife knew somebody who she went to high school with. And she was like, hey, I think he and his girlfriend are in the real estate space. Not really sure what they do, but they post stuff on Instagram. I said, okay, well, I'll reach out to him. And it really wound up talking with him and having a conversation that kind of put us on the path that we're on now. But the, the gist of it was California is just, everything's bigger, uh, as far as it costs more, it's, you know, bigger rehab budgets, bigger profits, all of that, and bigger risk as far as what you're taking on. And so as we kind of move back to here, I just kind of said, well, let's, let's take a step back. We took actually about six months before we bought anything, um, or four or five months to just kind of learn, relearn the market. We'd lived there, but hadn't known the real estate market and then, started to just look for a decent deal. Where for us we did some flipping in Nashville and the first one we found was a, a live-in flip in California. And that was when we we were living in when we moved back, we were living in her parents' guest room for a few months while we were getting settled and I think that was some extra motivation to get out and find <laughs> something. I love her parents, they're awesome. It was great, but uh, a guest <laughs> yeah. room with all of our our stuff yeah, was, uh, yeah. was a little much. So we said, let's go find something and wound up finding a, a great kind of live in flip um, that we, we worked on. And then from there wound up just kind of still connecting with people. I said, Hey, this is a pretty safe option. We got it seller financed. It was a cool kind of unique deal. And then from there uh, started to build roots and found a strategy that we're we're doing now with the uh, building adUs on properties and there's some cool zoning stuff here that a lot of people don't don't know about or don't take advantage of uh, so we were able to kind of
1: squeeze in there with some people who knew what they were doing amazing and did you uh, did you get your license in California as well so you got the opportunity to broker either your own deals or help people as you meet folks along the way? I
2: did, yeah. And what I'm doing a lot of now is just I refer everything out, unless it's family or friends, I'll help them on the real estate side. But I usually will just refer to other people. Um, And it really even helps build out those relationships here, where if I find somebody who I'm talking with, I can say, hey, you know, go talk to Ethan or go talk to Yvette, or here's people that I know in the area uh, who can take care of you. And then they're always on the lookout for me as well if I am sending them business.
1: Yeah, and then the the consulting business. Um, how long ago did you start that, or maybe uh, how early into your time in California uh, did you did you start it? Um, was that something that you had a vision for even before leaving Tennessee? Yeah, so I I knew I enjoyed it when I left Tennessee, but there's
2: actually a kind of crazy story behind when I decided to go all in. It was almost a year ago now where I'd been doing a little bit of consulting on the side and was mostly just working with some of the the people that I was kind of mentoring or coaching or whatnot. And, uh, we, at that live in flip, I was talking about, it was long story short, we were doing demo day. There were these massive mirrors in the living room and like floor to ceiling kind of gym mirror things. Hmm. And I was pulling one of those off the wall and it shattered and, uh, cut basically halfway through my calf. And I remember there was a moment where even I, I looked up and I was just yelled for my wife. I mean, thank God she was there, um, but she was freaked out. And I said, oh, she's a ER nurse. If she's freaked out, this is not good. And I remember just, yeah. you know, from... Initially, laying on the ground there, and there was a moment where it wasn't like I'm gonna die, but the thought of oh, I might because if this hit an artery, like we we have yeah. we don't have that long to get to the hospital. Um, there was a moment there where I just was kind of reflecting. I was like, hey, if this was it, not and it sounds super dramatic. It wasn't like I'm done. This is <laughs> this is the yeah, end. Yeah. But um, it was like, if this is it, am I happy with the impact that I was able to make? And mm-hmm. it was kind of a bittersweet moment where I was like, in, in some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, no, and spent really, you know, got to the hospital. It was just absolute miracle that the mirror missed my, uh, it missed all the nerves in my foot. They were getting ready wow. to do nerve reconstruction. They were like, yeah, you're going to have to have your foot propped up for, uh, have like a little brace for the rest of your life um, and miss the arteries, all of that. And so, Wound up being just about a month and a half recovery. They put you know a few hundred stitches in my leg to sew my calf back together and everything. But I was wow. on the, the couch for about a month after that. And I remember the first few days really thinking through that moment where I was like, did I make the impact that I wanted to? And yeah. that's where the shift to consulting really kicked in where it was more of that mission driven. Like, hey, how can I help? the most amount of people um, with what I've been given so far. You know, obviously I haven't been in the business world for 25 years. So I said, well, I I don't have that kind of experience to go coach CEOs that nobody's going to listen to a kid and I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But what I can do is I know in this industry that I I saw a lot of friends burn out or I saw a lot of friends not make it in the real estate world and they weren't doing things that differently than me. Um, And so if I can help them, or if I can, you know, if I can help people help more people, then I can make that kind of impact. And I'm, I'm very math driven. And so in my mind, I was like, well, if, if you're a really good realtor, you can close, you know, call it whatever, 40 to 50 deals a year. Um, if you're on, on average, you know, 10, let's say 10 to 20, if we use 20 as a a median number, um, cool. I could help 20 people uh, as a real estate agent, but if I'm able to help, Twenty agents who can each help 20 people there's 400 people that I was able to indirectly impact who they they have no idea who I am and never will uh and I think that's just so cool where that's where starting to think about that really pushed me in that consulting into that consulting world and the consulting agency you know whatever uh space is just a vehicle to make that kind of impact that I want
0: to make yeah that's awesome and that's, uh, you know, just just that purpose, that mission behind it and taking what you've learned and pass it along. In that same thought, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of agents that do not make it through their first year. What what are maybe some mistakes that agents make early on or folks in there, either on the investment side or even on the agent side, and, and maybe maybe just some advice you would give to those mm-hmm. folks?
1: and I real quick just before you answer i mean i suppose that it it applies to really any entrepreneur mm. um in terms of just it, uh mistakes that people make when they're going out to to start a business um mm. right so it, mm. it just as i think about our audience and listening um maybe it'll directly apply most to real estate agents but um but really just, yeah, the, the mistakes, assumptions that, that people make. Because I think that the yeah. statistics for um, real estate agents and like startup founders mm-hmm. are about the same yeah. in terms of how many survive. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the two big things
2: and, and everybody's different. But the two big things that I see over and over are one, I talk to new agents who they want to become a real estate agent so that they can have a flexible schedule and when they say I can have a flexible schedule and work when I want that's code for I want a full-time income on a part-time job and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works I um, mean it is flexible but it's flexible for good and for bad you'll have to work some weekends but you might have a Tuesday afternoon you can go golf um, and that's that's kind of how it it happens but I think within that a lot of people struggle to put some sort of schedule in place that helps them succeed where they feel like they did a lot of work that week because they, you know, were in front of their computer or working on their logo or their website or their whatever, um, during the week, but really they should be tracking how many people they reached out to or how many, um, networking events they're going to, or just tracking some of those metrics to where they can, uh, can increase the number of leads that are coming through. And so whether that's, yeah, startup founder or a real estate agent or wherever, the, the first stage of growing that business is learning how to, to sell and finding people to sell to. And I think people get this, this kind of order wrong where I, I talk about uh, that with, with a lot of the consulting clients. I say, hey, first you got to learn how to sell and that's, um, that's going to step one. And then you got to learn how to build systems around selling and that's how you grow. Um, and then you can scale up and add team members or whatnot, but a lot of people like to, they tend to get those things wrong where either they try to outsource everything right away because that's what they saw the multimillion dollar CEO do on YouTube. And they're like, outsource, 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 buy your time back. And it's like, well, well, no, you haven't earned the right to do that yet. Um, you got to do the work first and then you can,
1: can build from there. Yeah, that's really good. Um, And uh, this is kind of going back a little bit, but just to um, how mission driven your consulting business is, having that sort of wake up call moment of, okay, how do I make the most uh, impact here i love how much that resonates you talked about your dad early on in the the moving business and how for him it was never ultimately about the money but about the kind of impact that he could have on providing employment um taking care of his people doing good for the community it's neat to see that dna uh, yeah. carry through mm-hmm. um for for yourself um i mean beyond uh your dad like wh- where do you think that that really comes from or uh, i mean i don't want to get <laughs> too ahead because nick always asks this amazing question at the end of the the podcast of like what do you you know what do you want to be uh remembered for but i i am um just curious about uh you know what uh what drives that for you? Why, why isn't it just being the best at the game or being the best, uh, the, the most financially successful? Like, why is there this other's focus uh, to your business? Yeah, I think, honestly, that's a question that I ask myself every once in a while, where it's yeah.
2: in, I guess, the unhealthy moments for me, it's when I get uber competitive and I'm like, I just want to win because I want to win. Um, but in the, the healthy moments where I'm like, no, it's, it's about the impact I think it's, it's kind of a freeing thought. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that, you know, there's life after this, that, you know, there's, there's more than just this world. But I think that in this world, it's a really freeing thought that nobody's gonna remember who I am four generations from now. And I think the, the and that really hit me, my wife and I had a chance to travel to Europe for, for me for the first time last summer. And we were walking around Rome. And I was reading some plaque. It wasn't at the Colosseum. It was at some other, I don't know, some ruins of something. And there was a, about three quarters of the way down, there was some name. And I, I don't remember what name it was, but the guy was probably one of the more influential people in Rome. And I'm like, wow, if in arguably the greatest historical civilization, um, one of the most important people has his name three quarters of the way down on a plaque that nobody even reads, that's, what does that say about me? And it was kind of this existential moment um, where at first I was sad and I was like, nothing matters and you know, whatever. But (laughs) then it was really freeing where I started asking like, what, what does get passed on then where I don't know my great, great, great granddad's name, but I hope that there's, and I know that there's some characteristics that played down uh, into me from him where I know my great grandpa started a trucking company in the Depression and did well with that. He passed that down to my uh, my grandpa, uh, who you know learned the value of hard work. Who passed that down to my dad, who started a business. Who passed that down to me to say, "Hey, it's people focused." And um, to me, I think the really cool thing is being able to make an impact and having nobody know that it was you or not having your name attached to that. And it's a a tension to play in where I I don't like being center stage. Um, And even with I'm doing some social media stuff now where I don't like it. I hate social media. But I do it because it's something where I know that's a way to reach people or to just share. And it's something that I got to do if I want to if I really am going to walk the walk and say, here's here's what I've learned and am learning. And here's kind of the journey for people to see. So that's like really theoretical out there. But that's how I think about it is in this on this earth. I'd love to have an impact that gets shown for generations, but doesn't necessarily get traced back to me.
1: Mm -hmm. i absolutely love the the generational um mindset and i think that what i heard and uh what your dad uh, his approach to business and and what you're saying and your own approach to business and some of this is coming out of ministry both you and i have similar stories in that but of just the recognition of okay um part of the the mission as a Christian is uh, Jesus taught his people to pray, like let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of that realization then is building businesses and working toward the common good in the here and now. And mm-hmm. even if uh, I won't be remembered for it, or if you won't be remembered for it 40 years, a hundred years from now um, you know, that you still did your piece to help realize the kingdom work toward the common good and yeah. pass something down. Uh, that that elevates the bar for um future generations and so that's a phenomenal uh answer i was really encouraged in hearing that awesome
0: no i i i love it i i think that's good i mean nick i don't know if you got any more questions before we kind of kick it into the gold nugget round but uh man this has been great and i uh nothing more on my part
1: cold nuggets man you actually got it's it's almost lunchtime now you got me thinking about uh, you know some Wendy's or something like <laughs> that but nuggets. That's, yeah. <laughs> no let's get those gold nuggets
0: I love it all right well uh, Tony we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire off some questions for you we ask everybody in the uh, in the interview and so w- the first one and just pick one of these but we talk about the five F's of abundant journey So family, finance, faith, fitness, and future. So pick one of those. Tell us something that you're doing to improve that area of life this year.
2: Mm. I'll pick family. Uh, So as far as family goes, and this is even continuing that California discussion on why we moved out here, I uh, am a huge believer on if if life at home isn't good, nothing else is good. And Mm -hmm. uh, for... My wife, one of the things that I noticed uh, when I was a full-time agent is I spent a lot of time working on the weekends and we wound up having a routine that worked, but that's something I'm working on now with the consulting side of things is saying, Hey, I need one day a week. That's just for my wife, um, that we get to do, you know, one day a week plus one date night at the very least. And those are two times that are really thought out, planned out. And that's something that I'm really trying to get better at is, not just by default. Oh, when I'm not working, you know, we can hang out or, oh, I have a light afternoon today. We can spend some time together. I want to have, uh, something that she can look forward to as well as me and know that I'm going to be available during that time. Um, so that it's, yeah, really planned out instead of just the, uh, the second choice option.
0: Yep. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I love that you're creating the habits and rhythms around that because you know I've, I've heard it said many times that you know work will fill the space that we give it mm. and so very much so you make priorities for those other things that matter and then you get to fill in work and there's always more to do right um so that's 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 a great focus what's uh next question what's a quote from book or mentor that stuck with you along your journey mm. so
2: it's a quote from uh a podcast, and actually, I saved this one. I hope this is the question that you were—you uh, didn't want to ruin at the end. Um, there's a quote from Ed Milette uh, and he talks about this. It was—I'm sure he's written it in some of his books or whatever, but it was from a podcast that I heard it first, where he said, "You know, at the end of my life, I have this vision where uh, I'm going to be standing there with God, and He's going to, you know, one look at me, but I- I'm also going to see." The version of me that was uh, you know that I lived life to my fullest potential and God's gonna show me that person and uh, he's like I I want to be able to look that person in the eyes and see a reflection of me not someone I don't recognize and he even says he's like hey whether or not that's true that's a, a motivating factor for me and that really just stuck with me kind of along the lines of that impact conversation of just saying you know even if I feel like I've done enough there's always more that i could do and i i don't want to waste this life that i've been given um and get to the end yeah,
0: of it Dude, you hit you're the you're our first guest who's who, who's hit two gold nugget questions uh answers in one question. Oh, did i ruin the no, other one man. no no you did that's awesome i i absolutely love that and i i think that's uh that's just a. It's a phenomenal calling that you have. It's it's a phenomenal purpose and and the direction that you have have just started sprinting after. So, I love that. Well, last question then here. What's a dreamer goal you've not been able to make happen yet?
1: Oh, uh, I've
2: got to go with the so uh, a dreamer goal that I haven't been able to make happen yet is being able to take a business full cycle. And so that's this is really my first go at it with this consulting business, but my goal is that I can build it up, hire people, hire a team, and then eventually uh, go through the exit process with it. And I I think it'd be fun. I wanna see if I'm able to do it uh, and how things could work as a, a team leader, as a manager, as a boss, and see yeah, really just, I feel like that's the next step that um, that I haven't been able to do and we'll, we'll see if I can be good enough to make
1: it happen.
0: I bet you can. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll, I, I, we'll see. I have no
1: doubts <laughs> myself either. However, that is a, a really exciting um, endeavor. And, uh, and yeah, speaking of, with the consulting business, what's the best way for people to connect with you, especially agents who are either newer or maybe they've been at it for a long time, but they just feel stuck and want to grow their business? How do they... Uh, how do they utilize you and the, the consulting services you're able to offer? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, best place to find me where I'm most
2: active is Instagram, and that's just tonyclark.realestate. And so if you have a question or you know want to just hop on a quick call about something, feel free to just DM me there uh, on Instagram. If you, what I do, and I know I mentioned this earlier with the consulting, I always want to give value first. And so the best way to start to get plugged in there is I have an email newsletter that goes out a couple times a week where I just share little nuggets about a different different parts of your real estate business, uh, you can sign up for that. It's at www.agentos.io. So like Mac OS, it runs your computer. Uh, this is kind of the operating system for real estate agents. And that'll take you to a, a landing page. You can put in your email and then get plugged into the resources. And if you're wanting to take the next step and and work with me, there's a calendar there to book a call. And what I always tell people is I just say, "Hey." I hop on a call to see if I can help you and to see if it's a fit. If it's not a fit, I will absolutely tell you I'm not here to just take people's money. Uh, I'll say, hey, keep, keep taking on the free stuff and then
1: you know we can, can go from there. But that'll be the best place to connect with me. That's awesome, and I'll include links to both of those in the show notes as well for oh, anybody awesome. who's who's listening, so um, that'll make it real easy for people to get signed up for the newsletter as well as connect with you on on instagram and then in terms of real estate investing, is that something where if people wanted to try and passively invest or at least just follow along, do you have separate places where you're keeping track of all that? Yeah, right now i don't uh, Instagram okay. is kind of the catch all
2: where that's yeah. just here's here's a little look into uh, my life and all the just like ADD (laughs) things that I wind up doing. (laughs) Um, But that would be, uh, that'd be the best place to get connected from time to time. uh, As far as getting connected on passively investing, Um, I may wind up partnering up on some deals in the future. I've been telling people if, uh, we're doing our first ADU build right now. And I say, I want to be the guinea pig. If it goes up in flames, I want to be the one who's responsible. But <laughs> if it good. goes well, smart. then That's I'll, smart, I'll start
1: taking on money and uh, and doing more of those. Cool. Well, I encourage all of our listeners then, TonyClark.RealEstate on Instagram, follow along with all the amazing things that Tony is continuing to, to do. Man, thank you so much for your time. There has been so much value in this conversation. So many awesome takeaways. I can't wait to listen back through it myself as I edit it. Um, We'll get it posted real soon. And then listeners, thanks for coming along on the the journey uh, with us. Please keep up with all of the happenings at AbundantJourney.net. Sign up for our newsletter there as well. And we will be back again very soon. Thanks, y'all.